Hi, this is Bernard Zimmermann. And Philip Wurter. Welcome to our podcast series, Virtual Leadership Development, How to Master the New Normal. And a warm welcome from my side as well. In the series, we cover a range of topics that all have an influence or impact on leadership development and all its applications in a virtual context. In our 14th episode, we again continue to discuss aspects of ROE, or Rules of Engagement. And in this episode, we want to explore some of the essential themes that most often come up in these ROE alignment conversations. So, Philip, let's start. Thanks, Bernard. My insight from having facilitated literally hundreds of these conversations over the last 10 years is that although each conversation is unique to its audience and situation, there are probably about six or seven key themes or topics that are always present and form the base of the discussion. If we don't cover these, we're going to run into a problem at some stage. So why is it important to know this if we're going to facilitate participants to uncover these topics themselves? And the reason is that if you know what the red line is that runs through the conversation, it helps to ask the right questions if they struggle, or if for some reason, one or two may be missing in the conversation, you are then also able to ask a question like, what I haven't heard you mention is this, is this relevant or important for you? As I said before, these six or seven themes are not the only themes or topics, but if we cover them, the rest will emerge. So let me just run through the topics quickly. Respect, we've already spoken about. But respect, you can connect to almost any behavior. Whether it's punctuality, whether it's listening, it runs through everything. And if people don't feel respected, they're going to have to protect themselves. The second is trust. Mm. You know, people always say, well, trust, I would expect that. But somehow, if we start protecting ourselves, we don't contribute to trust. Yes. And I think trust is something that needs to be consciously built or catalyzed in its formation. And I just want to make a quick reference to Stephen Covey's Speed of Trust. Yes. Where he says, he gives actually four elements that are important in building trust very quickly. One is self-trust, as you call it, the self-confidence in your abilities but then also the character, it's about integrity in intent. We talked about that before. And then the competence, the competence, how you show up in terms of using the process, using the technology, and then creating the results. I think when you have the discussion in the right way and facilitate that discussion in the right way, you create automatically the results by the behavior, by the norms you create in the rules of engagement. That's absolutely correct. Because in this whole process of alignment, you deal with the first three mm. without people realizing that they're doing it. And then as they start experiencing the process of what happens after, and they realize that there is this collaboration, there is this trust thing happening, they just open up and respond to that even more because they see the results and they react to those results with even more collaboration. Mm. That is how rules of engagement has a leverage on whatever happens afterwards. Yes. The next element that comes up is openness. What happens in online workshops or online meetings that you've run 
where you don't have openness, how do people show up? Sometimes they just pretend to be open. You get the gut feel, the intuition says something is not working. You feel that people play a role, but they're not themselves in the way they interact. Yeah. I've been in workshops myself as a participant where I can feel my own openness start reducing as I sense the trust disappearing out of the meeting. It's strange because that's the way that I'm reacting. And I do this for a living. Mm. It's something that we cannot really control. We are still impacted on by that lack of trust. Yes, we humans, if we're participants in a workshop, we are participants. We want to just be there Absolutely. and enjoy the discussion. And if that doesn't happen on the foundation of trust, then yes, there's a dynamic that is natural for human beings to closing down. Yeah. The next one is confidentiality. Now, that's almost a natural. You would expect it. But there still needs to be alignment on confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Online, it's even more important because we are showing ourselves in our homes. We are showing ourselves in a very vulnerable situation. And if you know that, hold on, maybe the background that I have is not as whatever as somebody else's, subconsciously, you start asking yourself, well, what will people say about me? What will people think about me? Mm. This happens subconsciously. And automatically, you start closing off. Mm. Then we have honesty. And honesty is not just saying what you think. Honesty is being truthful about what you think. You know, if you take up the element of truth in honesty, it just becomes another opinion. Mm. And if people have the sense that people are not being truthful to them in their interactions, how do we react when we are interacting with somebody, but we don't feel that they're acting with integrity. We close off very, very quickly. The last one that I want to go through specifically, we've already talked about, is listening. And we need to reflect on listening. Why should I listen? Why should I respect somebody by listening? You know, as coaches, we have a very strong sense of the power of being heard and the power of feeling seen when people listen to me. And because of the barriers that we face online, that is even more important. And we have to make sure that we create that opportunity that everybody experiences the sense of, I feel seen, I feel listened to about what I'm saying, about what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm which means we really need to be able to, in a very natural way, control who talks when, who talks how, and becomes very difficult if we don't have people's natural collaboration in how to do that. You know, yes. if you just bring in a rule that says, only one person speaks at a time, we are behaving like a dictator. Mm -hmm. But if people come with that suggestion themselves as a need, and they align themselves behind it. Now, all I'm doing as a facilitator or as a leader in a workshop is I'm helping them behave in the way that they want to behave. It has a huge different impact. Yes. Now, there's one just popped up in my mind, what I've experienced when participating in workshops, that some facilitators actually say all mics on mute. 
and when you want to speak, unmute yourself. Mm -hmm. And I don't use that approach to make sure that you no know, people don't speak into each other. And why is that? First of all, people, when they start wanting to say something, they forget to unmute. That kind of yeah. disturbs their thought process. It takes away the attention. Now, in terms of the listening, now, being really attentive in the listening and not having a mechanical or technological solution that avoids speaking into each other. I think that does not resolve the listening requirement in an interaction. I agree with you. For me, switching your mic on mute is sure if you do a webinar or if you're one of a thousand people just listening to somebody speak, that's normal. Of course. But if you are part of a group or a workshop or a meeting, I believe that the minute that you put your mic on mute, you are giving away the responsibility to listen. And it's almost like, okay, off, I don't need to listen now because I don't have to speak. Mm -hmm. But if that mic is on, I need to take responsibility for the sound that emanates from me, which forces me also to listen to what is happening. Now, when I started the conversation earlier, I spoke about the questions that you use. So what I recommend is that you run through these points. People will bring up these points themselves. And if a specific point doesn't come up, obviously you can bring that up yourself through a very clear question. But once you've covered these, you also need to explore other points that because of the situation or the circumstance needs to be brought up. And you need to ask them also about their attitudes and their responsibilities. So the question needs to lead into that, to what attitudes are important, mm -hmm. what responsibilities are important. You know, for me, whether it's online or offline, punctuality is vital because there is nothing more frustrating than waiting for somebody to join when everybody's already there on time because now you have to go through everything again to bring them in. At the end of the day, it's about responsibility. Mm -hmm. And it's also about being conscious of time. You always talk about the importance of time in a virtual or an online session. Because if something takes two minutes offline, it might take double the amount of time online. Yes, it's right that you say the conscious of time, there is more in online context, there is more pressure on the time because the interaction is shorter. We have with participants or in the group, and we need to pay much more attention on how long we speak, how much we explain as facilitators, but also how long we allow others or the group allows individual contributions to be in order to make the best use of the time available. That is different when you're in the room, when you're face to face, there seems to be less pressure on the time than when you come together in a virtual space. Absolutely. So if you haven't made people aware in their reflection mm -hmm. on the impact of time in an online environment, they're going to be frustrated by it happening and they won't respond by collaborating. They'll respond by being critical. Mm -hmm. And that will impact on the success and the outcome of what happens in that online meeting. So the alignment really helps us align on 
attention and intention and makes them aware of what do they want to pay attention to in the way they show up, but also the way other people show up. What is their own intention of being here? What do they want to take out of it? And these points may not come up specifically, but throughout this whole reflection journey, people start thinking about it. And as the opportunities start opening up, they start stepping into it. And that also influences the commitment that they have towards multitasking. You know, the lower your commitment, the quicker you will start grabbing your phone, checking your emails, switching your sound off, and being involved with other things and using that screen as a barrier to interact and engage. And the minute that we do that, the impact of the meeting or the interaction goes down. So in the beginning, you spoke about values and behavior, and you need to explore both of those. Mm -hmm. And those six points that are mentioned in the beginning, yes, they are all mostly values, but how they impact in a workshop, that's how we show up. Those are the behaviors. And how deep you go into that depends very much on how long the meeting is or how long the workshop is. Let's say, for instance, that if this is an online team meeting that will happen every week for the foreseeable future, it really is worthwhile to do this very well once because in follow-up meetings, all you need to bring back into people's awareness is what did we talk about? In our meeting today, what's specifically important for you that we need to focus on? Or in our last meeting, which rule of engagement did you feel we did not really follow? Mm. Or in our last meeting, which rule of engagement do you feel that we really used, lived, and got a benefit from? I think there's a good practice I've used in online meetings, right on the rules of engagement, have a quick reflection, what went well and what was the contributing factor that it went well. And you very often come to the rules of engagement. And when you think what didn't go well, you missed something in the rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not that you have to do the full rules of engagement every time that you have a, let's say, an ongoing series of meetings or workshops, but you need to bring people's awareness back to it. Mm. And you need to explore what went well or what didn't go well. And if you explore that, they have their own insights to it. Yes. And that reinforces the positive behavior. Yeah, that is really then the refinement or honing the, the rules of engagement, which high-performing teams do. They have the best engagement based on a solid foundation you just described in all the elements. And one that rings very, very strongly with me is trust. Trust is the fundamental foundation for, for everything. So fantastic. Thank you, Philip. Now, in the last episodes, we have been focusing on the elements that cover how to own the process in order to address the challenges we face in virtual leadership development. In our next episode, we continue this and start with the next element, how to manage yourself. As a reflection for our next session, we have the following question for you. How do you manage yourself when either running a virtual program or when taking part in one? That's it from me. Thank you for listening. And until next time. And a big thank you from me as well. But finally, before we go, if you'd like to connect with us or share your insights and feedback, 
please feel free to do so either on linkedin.com, Bernard Zimmermann at contact, that is C-O-N hyphen T-A-C-T, or Philip Butter. We're both based in Germany. Or connect via email at philip at burta.net or bernhard.zimmermann at contactinternational.com that is c-o-n hyphen t-a-c-t hyphen international.com we look forward to connecting in our next episode thank you and goodbye